Oh man, hey what's up everybody, this is Brendan with Evoke Bike. I am so excited to have this next guest, Jason Hillemeyer on, one of my first coaches. He is the man that really started it all. He coached not only myself, but also Patrick. Jason was a mentor for me, not only as an athlete, but as, as I told him, hey, I think I want to get into coaching as I left coaching my CYO basketball team and really delved into cycling. And he supported me, helped me understand the big picture of things. And he really was one of the people you hear me say all the time, see the forest from the trees. And just his guidance, uh, man, Jason, it makes me so, I don't want to say emotional, but man, just thinking back of how much you've instilled in me, I'm so grateful for that. But to help all you guys out in this podcast, Jason's a former pro class mountain biker. We talk about a couple of the disciplines early on so the roadies can keep up with the uh, terms, but it really dives down into like things about using normalized power. What about heart rate versus power? What about cadence training? Uh, a lot of these things as a roadie or whatever whatever uh, discipline you're really proficient in, you can take some of these tips and use on your own. Uh, I really like some of the big gear stomping conversations, talking about power versus speed, and then really, as we finish up this one, talking about confidence and how Jason deals with some of this when he's looking at some crazy downhill sections. And then there's definitely going to be more in the second episode so jason thanks so much for this we really appreciate you coming on everybody enjoy the episode hope you have a great day of training see you later dude awesome well i appreciate you sitting down to do this i think you've been mentioned in probably like 17 podcasts so number one (laughs) i was like i gotta bring the man on who started all these wheels spinning number two i haven't really had someone that has some good mountain bike experience that i even have some questions that a lot of the guys that race mountain bikes with me are also doing road or gravel so we focus more on the fitness side and the skills they do with their buddies but i think just talking about some of that training and specific stuff that i've hit you up like hey what would you do with this guy is good for other people to hear um and just yeah man you i just had to get you on you are like the guy that started all of this and even with wally he's brought you up in some of these things so it had been what i thought was the easiest question but it turns out to be the hardest question for everybody who is jason hillemeyer (laughs) who am i well right now i'm uh mostly a dad and former cycling coach and somewhat washed up bike racer (laughs) <laughs> still ride uh, as still all- ride um i've basically ridden every kind of bike racing there is um you know i started as a mountain bike racer uh primarily xc focused uh switched to a little bit more endurance you know 100 miler six hour 24 hour solos um dabbled in road on my way there um Became a full-time coach, moved out to Colorado, did that for a number of years. Um, still actively raced, you know, out here in the pro class and whatnot. And then uh, tried my hand at the enduro thing, um, you know, found I liked that a lot. Uh, you know, kind of was a bit of everything of all the, you know, things I, I had uh, grown up racing and, and just really liked the, the new style of racing. So kind of that's been what I've been doing the last couple of years. That's awesome. And if people are just catching wind of our podcast here, Jason was, I got to give Minerva his shine. He was technically my first coach. And then once like 
a few months went past. I got my cat three. He's like, okay, you need a real coach. You need to go talk to Jason. And you had, <laughs> I think you were just going out to Colorado. You were really getting your feet going in full time. Cause then you came back and we were teammates on the road for that year before you moved there full time. Um, mm-hmm. And really Jason was the guy that, man, I think back, dude, I had to have been an annoying athlete at times because I had so <laughs> many questions and relentless emails. So I apologize for that. Like you, I, I no, think I, sometimes, and I'm like, God, dude, Jason was so good to me. Like, I hope he knows how much I appreciate that because no, I think that was great because it probably helped me grow just as much as a coach. Cause that was my early years and, you know, helping me push, you know, learning and knowledge and questioned even myself, you know, I think made us both better. Uh, so to speak, man, a hundred percent. Like I, I always try to tell people, like I encourage those questions because it keeps you on your toes. You don't want to tell an athlete like, Oh, you keep me on my toes, but it's true. Like athletes need to understand when you're not just mute, like, yeah, there's a balance between being annoying and having good questions. Like don't ask the same question 20 times, process it, think about it. How does it apply to your training and move forward? But like you really, you know, even when I was like, Hey, I think I might want to like try to start coaching. Cause ba- I was coaching basketball then. And it was really ruining my ability to do long rides. Cause I'd have like CYO basketball game at one. And I'm like, Oh, that is that's dead in the app. Like you can't do it all early in Rochester. You can't do it all late. And you were really the one who was like, Hey man, just start learning. And I think we all have imposter syndrome when we start. And you said to me, you were like, just remember like this science is so new that no coach, the number one coach in the country right now does not know everything and no one ever will like find your process, move through it with athletes and learn, learn, learn. And that's just been, I think back to that. I mean, you gave me so much confidence in believing that I could help someone out and also kind of showing, you know, it's not just the numbers. Like you race a ton, talk to them about that. Like if you have someone that really wants to get their feet wet, like you're doing that, go do that um so thank you man I mean this is like I don't know you know it's it takes somebody to like believe in you and motivate you and we'll get into into that but um what's so for let's jump into the mountain biking stuff though so Mm -hmm. I know the x the general like difference between the xc the enduro when you do the crazy insane downhill stuff what are before we drop terms and get into training can you just give a quick overview for the roadie out there who might be like wait what are these different disciplines that they're talking about sure sure i mean cross country is you know your i guess olympic style of mountain bike racing it's typically an hour and a half two hour you know race with your age groups uh or your your class groups um you know single track mountainside you know technical terrain up down all around usually doing a number of laps on the course. Uh, you know, there's a feed zone as you come through every couple laps or every lap, depending on the size. Um, hard, fast, you know, brutal efforts. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have your kind of endurance style races. Um, you know, a six hour race or, you know, time length races, they can be held on um, the same cross country course and you're just doing more laps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a popular format and, you know, your hundred mile races can be point to point or big loops or whatnot. Uh, they're a little bit, you know, they're kind of like gravel races. 
um, long, you know, all day efforts. You gotta, you gotta plan for the amount of food and calories you're going to take in, you know, you're not sprinting out of the gate as much as a cross country esque race. Um, you know, and just, just trying to balance your efforts all day and, and basically up along, you know, six to eight hour time trial, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, with other competitors out there. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you. Like a lot of times guys, you know, we'll talk about a race and it is like a, a, just a super long TT, which is how some of these gravel races eventually went once it shatters. But what's the, if you're talking to an athlete that really wants to win, that's trying to get on the podium, like what do they need to be prepared for in maybe the different disciplines of, you know, we had talked one time, you're like, there's always the guy who starts it way too hard. So you just got to be ready for like a blistering pace, but it might not always be like that. Are there any threads between the three that are like, you relate to train as in you got to be able to like go super deep for the first five minutes and then it's more threshold or how long does that last for or just like a road race you can't predict it and the race just happens as the racers race it yeah i mean it's it's tough to predict it but typically what you're going to find is the big guns they're going to go out of the gate exceptionally fast mm-hmm. um and and if you want to be with them you're going to have to be ready um and then and that could happen five minutes or 50 minutes into the race. Um, it, it just, it just depends on, on the course profile right. and where they think they can kind of get away. You know, if you have single track coming up in the first 10 minutes, um, people are going to want to get out in front and be clear and get a good ride and rhythm out there. If you've got, you know, 40 miles of road to work with and then some big climbs, you know, there's going to be a bit of a slower pace and probably some attacks to splinter the group here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's kind of course specific and, you know, just kind of knowing and understanding the courses that you're racing and where that happen um, c- can be helpful uh, mm. to, to kind of prioritize where, where you want to kind of make your move or your efforts. You know, some races, you know, um, have a lot of climbing all day long and it's just constant up down you know one one that comes to mind is like shenandoah mountain 100 it's so much climbing it's not i forget 10 12 some odd thousand feet of climbing in 100 miles and there's at mile 60 is like a 13 mile long gravel road super tough climb <laughs> and you've already had i for six or seven climbs in your legs at that point and you got to do this just soul crusher climb, I think is the nickname <laughs> of it, you know, and you're out in the sun and the heat and the dust and, and you got to be prepared, you know, after having gone really hard, cause that race starts, um, you know, a little bit of a fire road. It's not quite single track, not quite, you know, road, but it's narrow. It's a long twisty climb where everybody tries to get up to the front. Cause there's 800 people, you know, going out there with you. You don't want to be stuck near the back yeah. or whatnot. Um, I don't think there's quite that many people anymore, you know, with the current situation, but, um, you know, you had to fight to, to get up in the top 50 and and be there. And then you got to hold those spots, you know, something like Leadville, um, you know, that's also part of the race is you're just fighting to get in front of people and not have Mm -hmm. to deal with these masses going up, um, the power line climb up and down and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not always as much, uh, that you know total effort of the race is just you got to get in front of people because otherwise you're just stuck passing and jumping through groups all day Mm -hmm. long 
Where is that um, Shenandoah race? That is in Virginia. Yeah, dude. So I was talking to a guy and we were talking about gravel stuff and he had somebody, do you race with a one teammate in that race? Uh, I don't believe so, but there, no. there could do something like that. Okay. Now. Cause there was somebody and they were like, Oh dude, I heard like for a big dude, like you're pretty decent at climbing. Da, da, da. And we started talking about this race and he's like, okay. And then there's like a lot of technical descending and I'm like, Oh, wait, hold on a second. Nobody wants to be my teammate if they're dependent on technical descent. <laughs> that, maybe like, that could be like the off-road Mount Mitchell or something. Um, I don't I know. That's down there like I that. was like, yo, I'm tapping out. That's not my thing. He's like, <laughs> really? And I was like, no, re- literally, I went out into like Duran Eastman with a buddy, and we still laugh about this. He what he's just like a casual mountain biker. And so he's like, dude, you're probably gonna be really fast. I'm like, uh n- just wait from the bottom of the hill he's yelling last break and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that one's not for me so when you have so then it's interesting with you know we're talking about the positioning these big races how does and i want to tie this into when you were around a lot of other coaches some things that you saw in coaches but how does a mountain biker that maybe is mountain biking all the time use power data when they're going to like, I'll get somebody that comes on like, Hey man, what do you even see in this file? I see this. And so mm-hmm. we've talked a lot, like heart rates, one thing, if you're going to do some like VO two max stuff, you might want to re- rely on heart rate and da, da da da. But what are those? It's so much dirtier than a power file from a road racer. What should they be looking for? And this is such a huge question, but that they can take out and be like, okay, I'm not doing, I'm not executing this. And maybe it depends on the type of workout they're doing, but what is, how do you guide somebody that's trying to coach themselves in mountain biking? They're like, I know I have to have a power meter, but damn, this looks sloppy. Agreed. Agreed. And you kind of got to look at a little bit more normalized power for mountain bike racers. Okay. Um, just cause it helps encapsulate it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, again, the power is very stochastic. You have so much on and off, especially if it's more cross country kind of technical racing where you're on a lot of single track. Um, you know, it's not, not you're not going to see that kind of stuff so much on, on dirt road or, mm-hmm. or the kind of long gravel style racing, but, um, you know, the cross country ask, you know, racer, you got to basically, try to keep yourself from going super high and super low. You know, you've got to be strong enough and good enough to do these repeated efforts where you're getting stuck in a big gear, you know, coming out of a corner, the sudden change of terrain, you know, you don't know when you have to throw that little bit of muscular power over a route just to get up the top of a hill. And then you get up the top of the hill and now you're suddenly spending 110 RPM for five seconds and you have another 10 seconds uphill at 40 RPM. Um, so, you know, you, you got to be able to do kind of that, you know, stompy-esque power, be able to, you know, change your cadence rapidly and, and whatnot. And the kind of, you know, goal when I was racing was just try to hold your overall average power pretty high you know you're I, I would always use normalized power I never really looked at my current power on the um the system just you couldn't it was just flashing up and down <laughs> way too much I guess I mean now you can the devices can give you three and ten second power yeah 
um, which is probably, you know, the 10 second power maybe for mountain bikers is good to look at mm-hmm. um, and kind of see your smoothing over that. I mean, they didn't have that, you know, when I was racing cross country, you just uh, you had it either instantaneous or normalized. Oh, dude. <laughs> didn't have those numbers. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you bring up three and 10 second because I've actually told people, people think like mostly roadies are like, oh, well, three is better. The problem that people do have with a three second is that since it's lagging a little bit from like your, your rolling average, they're going over, under, over, under. Yeah. Over. And I'm just like, yo, dude, just use like 30 second if you want to use that. And like, let's go really big picture. Um, That's interesting. So do you, did you used to do low cadence, high torque stuff intermixed with high cadence, like really short? Or is it like just do a long high torque session or just do, sorry, I'm having a hard time saying this. Would you do like a five to 10 minute low cadence and then like a five to 10 minute high cadence? Or would you just like, go totally random in a training no so um yeah i mean you would you would maybe start off in the early season with your typical muscular tension intervals i mean you know all about those yeah doing the slow low cadence power building that strength in those legs Mm -hmm. and then gradually transition to doing you know the sprint and gym work Mm -hmm. um trying to get the leg speed up and then as you got closer to race season when i use you know kind of micro burst Mm. um efforts where you would basically put it in your big ring big gear and just stomp on the pedals for you know anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds depending on you know fitness and where you are mm-hmm. and then just as soon as the effort's done shift to the granny and keep the just bury the cadence as high as you could to recover for 30 seconds or, or whatnot and then you just shift it right back and go again and you basically you're just trying to get yourself to go from low to high low to high low to high and get those you know cadence and, and muscular tension both kind of both at once oh, yeah and just being able to you know tolerate the high heart rate you know everything the lactate you know everything all at once um yeah you know do things like uh, like tractor pulls you know or stomps where you would be, do the very similar thing but more from a standstill also okay um put in a really big gear and just you know almost at a stop or a very low roll and just try to go, you know, from almost no cadence to getting it up to a hundred, just, you know, getting yourself used to those, you know, roll-ups and terrain and stuff like that. But I mean, again, at the same time, um, you know, there's no substitute than just riding trail uh, and and trying to get that done. Of course, I mean, that's obviously for a mountain biker, way more fun than doing efforts, but, you know, if you really want to be a mountain bike racer, uh, you know, structured training is, is where it's at. Um, As, so definitely... I was going to ask you that, what would your split be for somebody that's, what would your split be for someone that's solely mountain bike focused of, okay, do how many day? And I know this depends on so much. So like we're giving a high level viewpoint here, people, but like 50, 50, be on the trail with your skills, 50%, you know, three days on the trail, three days doing intervals or I've, I guess it depends on how good they are on it's, the trail. Just find their weakness. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. Exactly. It's very dependent. I mean, almost nearly every recovery day, probably on the road. Yeah. Pretty much. Because otherwise, um, it's nowhere near yeah. recovery. I'm, they're like, I had a recovery day, so I took a spin in the park. I'm like, dude, look at this file. You were not yeah. spinning. Or maybe you were um, you're, hard. With the exception of doing very specific race efforts, you know, maybe your threshold and stuff, sweet spot your higher, you know, 
long day efforts you want to maybe do out on the road or, or you know, long stuff, mm-hmm. you can start to bring your VO2 max and, you know, th- a little bit above threshold, you know, zone six, seven onto the off-road mm-hmm. because especially someone that's weak with skills, mm-hmm. they need to be able to focus on skills at the same time they're going as hard as they can. Yes. Um, you don't want to start out of the gate with that, but start to <laughs> blend that together and, and get them, you know, I, I can remember, you know, I, I obviously raced forever um, doing mountain bike and, and ha- I thought I had the skills. Um, and when I switched to uh, the enduro style racing, you know, where you're going downhill fast, super speeds um, out of the gate, I can remember racing and it was so physically hard and uh, that it gave me such tunnel vision um, that I couldn't see the trail, couldn't actually even focus. And I learned over time, like I was actually going too hard on the trail Um, because what, what you're, what you're doing is you're sprinting as hard as you can. You have to break into the corner scrub all your speed in the corner of the technical section. And now I'm sprinting as hard as I can to get back up thinking I'm losing time. When in reality, it's kind of tone it down. You know, you don't have to break as much, just carry momentum and speed. And, and now I'm not actually going as hard, but I'm going way faster. That's, um, dude, that's a good point. Speed so at and, the end of the day is what's going to win the bike race, not the walk. Exactly. And, and, you know, in mountain biking, that's a big thing too, is, is as much learning technique, um, you know, learning when to corner, learning how to corner, learning how and when to pedal into sections. And it took me a long time to understand that and learn that to, to kind of get that flow and not waste energy on the bike. Um, you can, you know, not have to go anywhere near as hard and save that energy for the climb in a race or whatnot a lot of people, you know, misunderstand that. And if that's kind of why you sometimes see, you know, these big strong roadies come out and they're the fastest guys and they don't get, they get beat by who they guys that would, they would crush on the road or whatnot. And it's because these guys are just aren't using any energy whatsoever. They're just kind of flowing through the trail and not wasting it. And they know when and where they can put power down and, you know, keep their momentum going forward. And it's a similar thing it carries into cyclocross. And uh, I was just gonna know. say that was me in cyclocross. <laughs> <laughs> People were like, "You're gonna be so good at this, Brendan." And I was like, "I can't wait." And I was like, "This is hard as hell. I hate this." <laughs> Dude, you told me for Batten Kill, and that was one of the things you sent me on that. I actually might have been blown up your phone that day. I was like, "Yo, I'm lost, man." There was no. <laughs> I did not have a gar. I don't even know if Garmin Maps existed then, but. You were like, <laughs> you didn't know that I'm horrible with directions. And I was like, all right, at this church, for people that haven't been to Bristol, New York, it's like backwoods. I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like if you're up in the it's, mountains somewhere, but like Northern mountains. Appalachia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on these dirt roads. And, but your thing was that was a huge help, which, cause I was a newbie cyclist and going to bat and kill. And you're like, shift when you're riding whatever gear you're in shift down one harder. So you sit down more you have more traction and just do some of these efforts where you feel like you're going really freaking fast. Cause you're going to be racing on a dirt road and you're not used to doing that. And I was like, okay. And I remember being Naples being like, Oh man, what am I getting myself into? This is pretty gnarly. And it's tame. It's like 
as packed down dirt as you can get. <laughs> but when you've gone from the road and only ridden that and you go off-road a little bit, it was crazy. But that was what made me feel so much more comfortable in Battenkill. And, and uh, I mean, it was a game changer. It's kind of, I mean, it's so, it's, we're so focused on Watts now, especially more and more these days, like people that I talk to and I'm like, just think about the race. Like what's the race going to entail? Like th- there's, and I keep using him as an example, Justin Williams was on a podcast and he's like, wait, just so we're clear, this is like half Watts and half of this thing called bike racing because everyone's mm-hmm. just like, what's my FTP? What's my VO2 max? Okay. I'm going to go win everything. It's like, man, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some athletes that have crazy numbers, 10th place, 11th place, 14th, 8th. They just can't figure out all like all the little things in the race. Yeah, there's um, there's such a big art to bike racing and so many little nuances, and it just takes experience and time and patience. And you know, we we talked about it, you know, over text and whatnot, not being afraid to fail, to to do things that might not work, but they might, you never know until you try, you can't just sit there in the pack and be like, well, those guys are off the front. We'll bring them back at the end, mm-hmm. you know, or in any race, you got to be like, well, maybe I need to bridge across. Maybe I need to be the one to attack, you know, mm-hmm. and everything's different. You know, maybe you never know, like in mountain bike racing, you know, cross country is the easy example. The race starts really hard and then basically it settles in and you're just kind of jumping from group to group or working yourself. It's like, you know, some, you got to learn to be that guy that sprints out of the gate. It, even if you're afraid and they're like, I can't do that. I don't want to do that, you know, cause I don't think I can recover. Well, you got to go do that and force yourself to, to be up there. And, you know, and it's some, maybe you're going to sit up there for five seconds, one race, and then you're going to shuttle back to 10th. And, but you know, you can get there mm-hmm. and now you got to do the work. Next race, you're up there for a minute you know, and now you shuttle back to seventh. And then, you know, by the end of the season, you're the guy off the front winning the race by five minutes because it took a little bit of time. You know, you, it, it's everything, you know, that you can think of doesn't happen overnight. Nobody just suddenly started in one. I mean, think of all the things that we do in our lives every day and see simple things, you know, it's like, you know, you didn't start like you're talking about you're an established coach now one day you started from nothing you asked yeah. questions and wanted to get there you didn't suddenly weren't there it took years <laughs> and people the bike race think that oh yeah i got my ftp up now it's all there it's like well okay there's a lot of other pieces you got to build a lot and it's just going to take time for some people to get there some people are patient some people aren't it's man it is it's almost like you're listening in on this conversation i had with an athlete who super strong dude new like so new that he's like okay so i feel embarrassed to say this but i'm kind of like nervous in a group and i'm like dude that's normal like especially it's been covid you're going to a bike race and when was the last time you rode with people like i'm gonna be nervous he's like really i was like yeah dude like you're about to go 30 miles an hour down a road on skinny tires with a bunch of other humans like on top of each other it's kind of nerve-wracking and we were talking about his goal for the race was he (laughs) he's strong enough that he's more comfortable in the back okay understand that and then as people start to get dropped he's like i ride around them and i'm like so you're wasting tons of energy and he's like well i just don't feel like i belong in the front that's okay do you know what you're gonna do this race we don't care at all about the result i want you to ride towards the front and figure out how to get in on the front like figure out how to work with people like 
if the one guy is a jerk and doesn't let you in the next guy might or the next guy then you get in the pace line and like work with people and like you don't want to be on the front but like just watch moves and all the little things of being able to put yourself because into a move to get in a break or like you're saying i'm like dude why don't you attack people like i don't know i was like i was waiting to see if somebody else did that i'm like i mean if somebody else can do it you can do it right and if you blow up you blow up and if you get caught whatever like Mm -hmm. you gotta roll the dice and try and figure things out and you made you made a really good point earlier about conserving energy where we hear it but you know i think the newer cyclist once the race starts it's like your adrenaline's going it's hard to calm down you're like there's it's still a new process and i told this lady i'm like don't don't work like she's strong and so she's like well i was on the front the other day and i'm like don't that's the wrong spot you have no teammates you want to sit in and i don't know if you told me this or if i heard it somewhere but the line was it's not who pedals the most it's who pedals the hardest when it really matters and she made it through it. She's made it to the end of the race with the lead group. She still is like figuring out the sprint, but she was like, oh my God, I made it to the end with everybody. And I'm like, cause you, you can serve like just. And so I think sometimes we just need to take a step back, no matter whether you're brand new or you're like, if I go to a race and I'm racing pros, I have to recalibrate and like, all right, where can I conserve? How can I try and get as far down the road with these dudes? at my like most energy level so that I can even try and compete. I think we all can forget that at times because just the race starts and it's just like adrenaline's going and you know, it's easy to forget to like, it's easy to forget the easy, most basic lesson sometimes when you're just like amped and ready to go. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I think some of it, sorry, no, go goes ahead. back to your previous racer you're talking about where he didn't feel comfortable or confident riding at the front um and and, you know sometimes the you know at least for me the best races i've ever had are the ones where i went in the most confident um and i'm sure you've probably seen that with your athletes Mm -hmm. uh you know it's not always the watts that that need to be turned it's it's the confidence and if it's there you know, you, you, you'll do things and try things and, and push yourself. And sometimes, you know, you might not have the confidence to, to do things or, or believe it, but you guys kind of fake it till you make it, um, till you know, pretend, pretend you're someone else. Um, you know, for me, you know, the, the enduro racing is, is a lot of it is skill-based, mm-hmm. um, you know, efforts downhill and, you know, I sometimes I know I can't do certain technical trails or I just don't feel comfortable that day or something. So in my head, I just flip a switch and be like, well, you know what? I'm this pro downhiller today (laughs) and just boost my confidence and makes me like, you know what, would this guy be scared of this section? You know, I I'm still scared of it, but now I'm like, I have, I'm going in my, in my head, I have a bit more confidence to give it and try it, you know, in then I'd feel great. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. That wasn't that hard. You yeah. know, I just, just needed to clear that obstacle in my head. I have the skills. I've done all these little things before, you know, this is just a little bit bigger of a step and just go do it, you know, and, and just pretend you're someone else, you know, and, and it, 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 soon enough, you will be that someone else, so to speak, you know, after a while you, you won't have to fake it because it's just, that's what you've been doing all this time. 
Dude, I love that because I don't really think of not being a mountain biker. I don't think as often as I should of like that fear factor that is in those disciplines of for me to hear you, I mean, I, I watch the videos you post. We've talked about this stuff in the <laughs> videos you send me. I'm like, that is absolutely terrifying. And I mean, to hear you be like, okay, I'm kind of nervous about this. Like that blows my mind. Like I didn't think you had any fear of riding almost anything. And it's, Oh, it's, I don't, I think you'll find that everyone has fear. Um, it's, it's just a standard thing. It's just, you know, confidence is a big thing. Yeah. Um, skill repetition, you know, understanding your comfort levels, understanding where you are, um, you know, for any mountain biker, uh, you know, of yours that, that might be scared, you know, of something. Hey everybody, this is Brendan again. We will be back with part two with Jason as we dive into more training topics that really whatever discipline you're in, you'll be able to use to get faster, get stronger. Good luck with your training until we see you on the next episode. And if this was helpful, as always, please share it with a friend. We greatly appreciate it.